Welcome into this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday as we are coming to you on the day right before the weekend when weekends don't really matter anymore. I am joined today by Deputy Editor Zach Mikosh and Senior Writer Gordon Gross. Both guys are chilling out, just trying to avoid the coronavirus just like me. Zach, how are you doing? Zach's not paying attention. Wait, can you guys hear me? I almost lost. Now you. we can hear you. Uh, now we can hear. You. Welcome back to the podcast, <laughs> we are Zach. Off to a rocky start, Ryan. What was your question? Was it how am I doing? How is the coronavirus affecting my daily life? Well, it I don't was... know. He just said that we are just not that we're just chilling, not doing anything. Like we aren't working stiff still. He's the non-working stiff, but we are definitely <laughs> working stiff. Uh, you're trying to roast me, and it's not going to work. Zach, how are you, man? I am doing well, as I was telling these guys just before we got on. I am uh, buying a house today, so that is uh, a big moment. It's been a long time coming. We, um, as people go. might have remembered, we I talked about this house building way back on oh, what was the name of Brandon's pod? You remember? Oh, oh, full court it was press. Full court press. That's the one. Yeah. So way back then, uh, last summer, I, I talked about how we were embarking on, on building this house. It is done, and we are closing tomorrow. So I, or today, I guess, since we're recording Thursday night. So you're moving to Wyoming. I am very close. Wellington is about as Wyoming as you can get without actually being yep. in Wyoming. It was left in Colorado on accident, so good job. Right. <laughs> so I still get to pay the income taxes, but don't get any of the actual, like, you know, Colorado splendor. Correct. Never got invited on full court press, and well, now I'm the site manager, but that's beside the point. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. I've never had full court press either. Zach is the only <laughs> one with that with that memory. So, uh, yeah, that's true. Gordon, what's going on, man? Not much. Just working and uh, trying to stay out of public. Yeah, it sounds about right. I mean, everybody's everybody's in that situation right now where if you're with family, then you're you're a lot closer together than you would have hoped. Uh, Zach, you have two young girls. That has to have been pretty interesting. Uh, are you are you doing anything to keep them distracted during the day? Like like how how are you getting through parent life while also trying to work? Yeah. So another thing we were talking about, like I I'm I'm very very fortunate um, to have a great. Uh, daycare set up in with a, a provider who is only um, operating out of her home with a, a very small group of children, six max. So I, I've been able to um, still take my kids over there during the days. And, and it's been awesome. She's a, a former teacher and has been able to <clears throat> really help my eldest or my oldest with, um, you know, homeschooling and whatnot right now. So that's been good. However, they've both had come down with strep throat during this time too, which is a incredibly nerve wracking because you're Jesus, hoping it's yeah. not anything worse. Yeah, and then and then you're like, thank God it was strep throat. Um, but then B, it's like you know they're they're stuck home and they're sick, and it was that. So the last couple of weeks, yeah, rough because as I said, we're buying a house. So right now I'm in a two bedroom apartment with two kids, two dogs, and a rabbit, and it is uh, it and is a partridge in a pear tree, maybe. That's right. That's right. So yeah, it's been it's been crazy, but but uh, I mean I'm not going to complain, man. I'm still working. I've got the opportunity to work from home. I'm classified as an essential business, so um, I'm definitely not going to complain. People out there have it a lot tougher than I do. Yeah, good to hear. That's uh, it's got to be tough, and I I feel for all of the parents who are trying to work and don't have the opportunity to put their kids in daycare. Uh, especially now, like like how how many daycares realistically are open right now? So I, I feel right. for that. My brother and I, obviously, my brother's in college right now. I'm out of college. We're back home, hanging out with the family. We're all locked up and, and playing a bunch of bridge and, and card games and board games and things like that. But it is tight. There is not a lot of space. And, and the longer we go, the more stir crazy everybody gets. So right. I'm sure everybody's feeling that. Uh, do you guys, you guys both have Netflix, right? Do you have any, uh, shows that you've been watching lately that, that you've been getting through the days with? Ozarks. I always watch the Ozarks. Interesting. I, I haven't ever watched Ozark before. Yeah, me well, either. I, I'm a, I, I'm a noir crime show kind of guy. So I like okay. Justified. I like Breaking Bad. Um, I enjoy the Americans. So this is my sort of show where, there's a bunch of assholes getting through the day, just trying to one up each other, and that works for me. Fair enough. What I am. Um, uh, 
I would say, yeah, so to, to build on uh, what Gordon was saying there, as a, as a Breaking Bad fan myself as well, uh, I've been I've watched uh, very up-to-date now with Better Call Saul, which is, there you of course, go. The, the, yeah, the, the prequel spinoff uh, to Breaking Bad. That is, uh, you know, obviously prequel spinoffs of good shows are generally an abject disaster. But uh, in this case, it's arguably... Um, it might just even as be good better. Of a show. I'm not gonna. Yeah, it might even be better. It, it's kind of. So, it, yeah, it, that it's excellent. And maybe because you know where it's going, but it's excellent. Right. Right. Yeah, and you kind of you know you know the pathway, right? And and it's it's very interesting to, to see the development um, of of the Saul Goodman character. Cause well, it's he's funny. A, a lot of times character. in in shows, you do not like prequels are terrible because there's you can't get past where the person got to. Right. But you know, so it's tough to make it interesting. But they've done a great job of showing you his transformation, and it, it because Breaking Bad was such a transformational show. It's nice to see this be a transformational show that's also um, extremely well written. Yeah, they they yeah. have a couple of heaters going with those two shows for sure. Uh, I showed my brother The Witcher; he had never seen it before. Uh, Witcher that's good. Witcher was good. Henry Cavill did a really good job portraying. Uh, Geralt of Rivia. Uh, I love fantasy shows like that. It, I think they're they're interesting and to be taken to a kind of a fantasy world is is cool. Uh, I could be by myself with that, and that's okay. Uh, you know, yeah. what, real quick, one other one other show that I've just got into. Like, I'm only into season or episode. I'm about to watch episode three probably tonight, but I'm already hooked. Um, that is fantasy in a totally different way. Uh, on on HBO though is is Westworld. I don't know if you guys have Westworld's seen that show. Westworld unbelievable. I I don't have HBO. I've never seen it, uh, oh, but I've it heard is, about it. It is like, crazy. It's, it's. I haven't got to see season three. I haven't started. I haven't seen anything past season past season two. So I'm holding out for the whole season. I'm going to try to binge watch at the same time. So trying to keep away from spoilers with Westworld is a pain in the ass. But uh, <laughs> right. we'll see how far I get. I heard that Westworld was a very niche show. Like like you had to. You had to be really in the mood to to hit that genre and be okay with it. Well, it depends what you think that genre is. Genre. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even know what I would call the genre of Westworld other well, than it's, it's science It's an fiction. amalgamation of a variety of different right. things. Like, uh, like that's a what amalgamation Western. is. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's many things. Westworld is many, many things. That's why I enjoyed it. I don't know that they necessarily captured it in season two the way they did in season one, but season one was unbelievable and I'm still stoked about where they can go with season three so if anybody hasn't seen Westworld yeah they they can hit me up that's fine we'll talk about that whenever anybody says uh sci-fi western the only thing I can think of is cowboys versus aliens with uh Daniel Craig I saw that half of it was good and half yeah half of it was good and then then it got to the then they forgot real part of the movie (laughs) yeah Uh, okay well enough BSing about that stuff uh we actually have some news and we're we're Losing viewers as we speak before we, we bury the lead. Archeris Karnasovas, he was a massive part of this Denver front office, and he just left to become the new executive vice president of basketball operations with the Chicago Bulls. That news was broken by Adrian Wojnarowski late Wednesday night. A uh, very interesting move and kind of signifies that, that something's in the works for Denver, I would say. Uh, something yeah he he he's gonna have decision making power there so maybe this was just a thing where he really wanted to to run his own organization but uh i'll start with you zach uh what was your first thought when you saw that archuris was gonna leave the nuggets uh my first thought was good for him like it's it's very very well deserved archuris um has been a massive as you said massive part of this operation is every impression we've ever given and, and been given. And, and the times that I have been one, one of the times you really get to see the front office work, probably the time you best, you get to see the the front office work is draft night because that's, they are working that night 100%, but it's the only time when they are absolutely working and you're also allowed to be in the building, you know, and obviously we're not sitting in the room with them, but you, you hear things, right? You can overhear things that are going on um, from certain people who are, who are talking and, and whatnot. And, and you really um, kind of get a good impression of how that team works. And, and the team in the Nuggets front office has always been just that, in a 100% team approach. Um, so with the success they've had, with the roster building that they've done, you you have 
to give credit to Arturis for that. Obviously, he's, like I said, it's a team. He's not the only guy, but he was certainly a big part of it. One of the chief people as the number two in command. Um, well, and, so and for and him a, to get this opportunity, it's worth it. In Europe. Like, right. Yeah. They used to say he, he could get them into any gym in Europe. Like, if there was a guy that no one else had heard of, they would be calling Arturis to be like, you know, uh, we can get you in to see this guy. We can make sure that, you know, you, you get court time, yeah. that you, you get face time. Whatever it is that you guys need, you can have. And the Nuggets have always been incredibly good um, with their European scouting. Um, part of that is because right. that's where Tim Connolly used to do, and that's where Arturis is from, and... They still have um, Rafal Juke, who's who's terrific. Um, for but, now, yeah, for now. Well, I'm wondering it's if they're going to still have him for now. <laughs> that my concern about see. losing about about Arturis going is that he might take Rafal with him. Yeah, that would be bad. Not that losing um, Arturis doesn't hurt, but the Nuggets were prepped for this. I mean, this was one of those. Um, they almost lost Arturis to Milwaukee, and then they promoted and him from and Brooklyn. You know, from assistant GM to GM when they promoted Tim Conway to, to president of basketball operations in order to keep the team together. That's what they did. But Arturis wanted to run his own team without oversight. And if uh, Tim Conway had taken the job with the Wizards, then you would have seen Arturis get that here. Right. But right. Tim, came, Tim came back, and so the next time the, the season came around and the opportunity to go get his own thing happened, you know, Arturis went and did that. And I, I totally support that. That's what you do when, you know, you want to be the main guy and the main guy here is still Tim. Um, so, right. And if, if Tim wasn't going to leave for the wizards, then he's probably not leaving. Right. Like that, that, right. that been was the, the job. The job. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it because seems of like... that, like it was time for well, Arturis to go because Tim made his call. And so then it was Arturis's time to make his call. Yeah, for sure. And it, it really does seem like the the dice have been cast uh, with regard to Tim kind of being the guy in Denver who's going to try and see this through to the end. I can't imagine there will be another offer that he would take from anybody else. Uh, Arturis took the offer to go run his own team, and there's a lot worse jobs, I would say, than with the Chicago Bulls, where as long as he could change the culture a little bit, like he has a lot to work with there already. Uh a lot worse jumps or maybe slightly uh, worse jumps. You could he could be running the Knicks. <laughs> okay, yes, the Knicks. The would Knicks be is one a of the worse job. Worse. The, hell, the like, Knicks is but, a worse you know, job. Um Cleveland is probably a worse job. Washington, Atlanta. I mean, there are a lot like Charlotte. Try to try yeah, to be but, the decision yeah, maker yeah. in Charlotte. Yeah. Right Charlotte's now. a bad job, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not as bad of a job as the Bulls because they don't have Jerry Reinsdorf. Well, yeah, know. but uh, at that point, I'm not really worried. As long as as long as Arturis can call the shots and has a reasonable budget for being, you know, in freaking Chicago, right. like there's there's not a lot that I'm worried about with him. His his claim is he's going to be like, look, I'm going to go scout stuff. I'm going to get you some guys that you know you aren't used to. Uh, he's a business guy. Like uh, sure. Arturis, if they're going to hire Arturis, he's not a guy that you step into a room with and he um. Out charismas you. He, <laughs> right, that was always what Connolly did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Connolly's the smiling, affable, like, you know, killer. And right. and Arturis just skips the smiling and the affable part. He is very affable, but it, he's, he's, um, I don't want to call him boring, but. He feels like he might be an XKGB agent. Sometimes. Yes, he feels yeah. like he, he's either like a house painter or an XKGB agent. You're he's not he's really straightforward. Sure. There aren't a ton of layers. Like he he is a basketball guy through and through. Like he that's what he wants to focus 100% on. And he's very basketball. serious about it. He's well, and he takes he does everything in his life professionally. Right. He is a professional basketball person. Um, and so it, he's not out there, you know, wowing Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, with with his slick suits and his. You know, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just talk all the agents into doing what I want. Persona. That's not Karnasovis. He's just going to outwork you. Like yeah. Arturis is just he's he's gonna be in there. You know, as much as he needs to be in there, he will scout every corner of the globe. Like he will work all the options. He has a fine basketball mind. He's an incredible scout. Like. He knows what to do to take a team that has some pieces 
but might not be fully functioning and turn that around because he helped do that here. He's already seen how that works. Yeah, there's, he's definitely, he's lived the rebuilding process. He's seen the ups of it. He's seen the downs of it. He knows what he needs in order to really turn an organization around. And Nikola Jokic really was an organizational changer. And he, uh, he like Arturus was the guy really who who found him. Arturus was the guy who right. made it his mission to get him over to the states, and that was a right. big deal in the Nuggets completely turning things around. Because there's there's another scenario where that doesn't happen and everybody's fired. Yes, so, right. Well, it's just and it's just what Gordon was talking about about Arturus and in Europe. I mean, Jokic is the perfect example. Here's this this chubby kid who hasn't actually been playing basketball. Um, all that long, who drinks a liter of Coca-Cola and actually would probably rather race horse carts. Um, but holy cow, he's really good. Like he, the, the, the IQ is there and like, that's, that's how that starts. Right. And so then that's, that's how Arturus is with his, um, ability in Europe and with his reputation in Europe and with his connections in Europe, that's how he hears about a guy like that before someone else does. And that's how the Nuggets got onto Jokic before anybody else did. Because right. when you think and, about it, Nuggets drafted Jokic before he broke out in Europe. Jokic was still a very big unknown yes, when the Nuggets drafted, after they drafted him. him that and he then, broke out. right, that's when he took off and was you know um, MVP of the Adriatic League and stuff like that. Right. But my thing with my thing with Arturis, I mean, they're looking for someone who can convince the players on the team that the front office is not stupid. Like I I hate to put it that way, but like Laurie Markkinen has come out already and been vocally annoyed with Chicago and the fact that they don't seem to know what the hell they're doing. Right. And that's and, up until this point, that's legitimate criticism. And, and, right? and he's yeah. not wrong. He, yeah, he's Arturis, not wrong. They had no direction. They had no idea what they should put together. They don't know what pieces work. And Arturis's job is to come in and convince people like Lowry to go ahead and buy in to understand that we are here for this. We know what's going on. You know, uh, yes, he's Finnish. He's not Eastern European, you know, but everybody in Europe knows who Arturis is. Um, he commands respect. Uh, and so it's not just some guy trying to pump you up because he doesn't lie to you. That's not his gig. He's, he's not that kind of guy. He's a very, very basketball-oriented person. And so I'm very curious to see if Reinsdorf will allow him to do everything he needs to do with that basketball team. Because if so, then Chicago did it exactly right. And uh, I'm very happy for him that he's in the situation that he needed with an owner who will do what he says instead of doing what the owner says, which is how they got into this problem in the first place. For sure. I'm I'm totally with you there. How much do you think Arturis' departure will hurt this Nuggets team? I think it's, uh, we talked a little bit, I mean, uh, to be able to say that for sure, I think we have to see who he's taken with him, right? Yep, if absolutely. if Arturis can get a raffle juke to go with him, well, that's that's going to hurt a lot more. If Calvin Booth wants to go be, gets, you know, has the opportunity to be the GM in um, Chicago and would rather do that than potentially get the opportunity to be the GM in Denver, um, then that can hurt. You know, you think about guys like Tommy Balchettis. I mean, like there are guys who are part of this team that we've been talking about and, and you have to take the team as a whole. Um, yep. And so if we start losing some of those pieces and I expect we will lose at least some of them. Um, I have to assume so because they'll hurt. get promotions going somewhere right, else. Exactly. They'll get our, our tourists will be able to give them opportunities that Tim Connolly cannot. Right. Now the question about how much it's going to hurt how how much are the Nuggets trying to continue to build as opposed to trade? Like, if Arturis is helping you with all of the the building of the team part, well, that's a lot of that is done in Denver. Like you yeah. have, they've added you know Michael Porter Jr. and Ball Ball the last couple seasons. You know your your roster is completely full up. You're looking at trades. You're looking at signing MLE guys, but you're not necessarily looking at like pounding the draft board like crazy trying to get top flight guys. You've got top flight guys. You know, uh, right. so at I this don't, point in the draft, you're looking for value picks. Yeah, yeah. You're, what looking, done for, the past well, you're years. looking for guys who can pull rotation spots. Right. It's going to be, be drafted in the late 20s forever now. Yeah, and I, I'm totally with you. I think they probably need or at least feel like they need one more high-level contributor, not necessarily a starter, but somebody who 
they could feed through the pipeline and feel pretty good about let let's say a, a wing that that comes through and they could eventually use that guy going forward. That that to me seems like something that they would want to do over the course well, of this they're, next every draft. year they're going to look for the diamond in the rough, man. Like that's right. that's their thing. And other than other than 2017 when they whiffed on um uh, uh Tyler Lydon. Tyler Lydon. <laughs> but they they added Monte Morris. Like True. and <laughs> we're not talking about that. <laughs> oh no, we are talking about the Slovenian cyborg. <laughs> Oh my god! You, my boy Janjar. You can't insult Zach on this podcast and expect to get away with it like that. Well, I try. I try. <laughs> but yeah, like they, they they've got though. guys. Like it's it's they it's funny when you can blow a first round as bad as they did, and still come out with more contributors than other teams got in that draft. Right, that's the thing. If if Vlatko turns out to be a rotation player like Monty, then it's like yep. that was a good draft. Yeah, you know, it's a good draft without it. Monty's like seventh right. in win shares or something out of that draft. Right. Yeah, that's insane. And he didn't even play the first year. Um, yeah, he didn't play the first year, so it's crazy to me. Yeah. So they, they're uh, great at this. <clears throat> I don't know how much of that is is going to be Arturis and whoever goes with him, but finding late contributors is is important, but it's not as important as finding. The guy. Like, they got the guy. Now you have to build around him, reorganize the team maybe. Um, and, and I would like to see Denver, you know, this is the time at which you need cap guys. You need, you know, you got to keep your foreign scouts up because you're going to be looking in the 20s. You can find drafts and stashes in the first and second round. You know, the Nuggets are trying to maintain. They're trying to keep one contributor in from the draft for whoever they lose in free agency. If you lose a Malik Beasley because you can't afford to pay him, you have to add another guy who can contribute for cheap, like Michael Porter Jr. for a couple years. Then when he gets expensive and you have to pay him, you're going to need another guy to replace somebody else you can't pay. Like this is the draft is right. how you keep this thing going. So if our tourist hurts that, then yes, that's that's a big deal. Um, but it's it's not as it's not as dicey as when you have no stars and you're trying to find stars. Yeah, we're gonna have to see how it goes. Uh, with regard to Calvin Booth, I feel like he is the guy who they are going to pencil in as the new general manager, kind of the the second in command behind Tim Connolly. I expect the, that he's been studied. He's been the understudy. The only two reasons I can think of why Calvin Booth would depart is if he went with Arturis to kind of fill the same sort of role in Chicago, or if he was given a job outright as the main decision maker somewhere. And I just, I don't really see that yet, but we'll right. see. Like he, he is well thought of around the league. Uh, last question. The Chicago Bulls have a lot of guys that could be traded and a lot of players that are at least interesting. They have a lot of potential, have Maybe some some fit better than others, but are there any like is there any reason to think that Arturis going to Chicago might be able to facilitate a deal for one of those guys? Might make it more likely that a Zach Levine could come to Denver or something like that. Have fun, I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> it, so the, the thing uh, when you look at Chicago's roster, there is a lot of young, you know, intriguing pieces that. I try not to. A lot of them have have regressed. I guess more more or less to say. Um, but I try not to to read too much into that from Chicago side because they've got freaking Jim Boylan as their coach and it's it, just it, a dude, total yeah. disaster. It, yeah, when you have Jim Boylan as your coach, the the idea all you're trying to do is survive. Right. As a so, player, you're just trying to survive. So there there's no way to tell necessarily how bad or good some of those players are. Yeah, I mean, there, there, to me, there's there's no way to say, like, okay, so, I mean, is, is Laurie Markkinen actually not as good as we originally thought? I don't I don't know that you can necessarily read into that. I actually would say probably not. I mean, I, I don't watch a ton of Bulls basketball, but I would I would say probably not. I think this is more of just the, the dysfunction in the organization, which I think the Bulls have made the first move in correcting that. So, but then when I look at this roster and I think about, well, maybe trades, what could we, you know, what could we work it's the thing is, is like well, Wendell Carter Jr. is is an interesting piece, but he would basically be pretty repetitive with Jokic, and so unless you're bringing him to be your backup, I don't know how that works. And, Chris and Dunn the, the is, is a great. It would defender. take to get Wendell Carter as the backup right. aren't worth it. Yeah, right, aren't worth it. Chris Dunn is a great defender, but he really can't shoot, and I don't think you can add that to your backcourt right now. I mean, Zach right. Levine is is a hyper scorer, but is is he that much different from a Jamal Murray that you would really 
get any gains there. Again, with, with what Gordon brings up, especially when you consider what you would have to send out, you know, to get him. So I have a hard time finding someone on Chicago's roster that I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy, if we could add that guy, like he would really, you know, help this team uh, move forward. I mean, Laurie Markkinen would be the one for me who would be an interesting piece, but you already have Michael Porter Jr., who's essentially. You would, again, a lot of repetition there. And again, you're going to pay, you'll pay out the nose to get Laurie Marketing. You'll pay more for him probably than anybody else, maybe other than maybe Zach Levine. So it's like, you know, I, I just don't, I don't see a deal there that would make sense from the Nuggets. But that's not necessarily related to Karnsovas. That's just the way the Bulls roster is right now. Right. Well, sure. the, the thing is, I mean, the only guy you could really get, it's a, it's a matter of money. Really, it's a matter of how do you make the money match up, and Denver has really cheap guys and really expensive guys. Right. They don't have a lot of those middle guys. They don't the, have a lot of guys making eight, twelve, ten million dollars a year. Right. The you know, only... so when you're trying to match up, you're like, well, how do I match salary with, you know, uh, you could do Gary Harris or you could do Will Barton. That's who always comes up in these conversations because those are the movable contracts. Right. The only real deal I can see or I, I can at least envision in my mind is a Gary Harris for Otto Porter swap that is that is the only thing and the money still isn't even the money then, doesn't work but, man well yeah you, you'd have to do some other stuff Denver could figure it out they could add a, one or two more pieces into that that are pretty small not a ton of course because they, they don't really have a ton of money to work with there with those small contracts of guys that are not Michael Porter Jr. so well and uh, I mean and he has a he has a trade kicker too so like when you look at Michael, uh, you'll have to put even more money on the table to get Otto. Like yeah. that, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think Otto Porter's a good player. I think he fits the Nuggets well. Um, he hasn't fit in in Chicago at all. Like, well, I, what about a sign and trade with Millsap? I don't, sure. I mean, I would, I would do that. I guess if if you're going to sign and trade for within and and Millsap's moving on anyways, and you can get Otto Porter Jr. back, like. I'm okay with that. I really liked Otto Porter Jr. Obviously, when he was in Washington, he was a guy for a long time who really looked like, "Hey, this is the piece. This is the big wing who can defend and shoot threes that the Nuggets so desperately need." It's just, but like those Washington days feel like a long time ago, don't they? They really do. Yeah. And it's when you have John Wall setting you up, it's probably a little bit different. Uh, it's and it he could be too far gone. He could be like Gary Harris, where you don't know if the if it's ever going to come back for real, just because it's it's been so long. Well, that's why um, the trade might work. I mean, you're trying to to get someone to swap you, you know, a player for a player. You know, both of them have question marks. Both of them have been very good in the past. Um, but the Nuggets have to figure out whether they're better, you know, with Gary Harris or with a new addition. And there's no way to know that because you don't know whether Gary Harris is ever going to go back to being 2017 Gary Harris. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm uh, so I I don't like the 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 Bulls have a lot of pieces. Again, I'm sure that Arturus is going to be working a lot of deals, and I am absolutely sure that he and Connolly are going to be discussing frameworks of deals that they would need to work. Um, because both teams are trying to figure out how to get people on the court. Like the Nuggets have to get Michael Porter Jr. on the court. They also have Will Barton starting at small forward. Yep. So either Will Barton uh, goes to the bench, yep. or Michael Porter Jr. stays on the bench. Those are your only two options unless you move Gary Harris and move Barton back to the two. I expect a bunch of movement, and I, I just I bring up Chicago. Do, yeah, I expect that Chicago's going to move a lot of guys, and I expect that the Nuggets are going to make calls on ways to restructure their roster. It's going to be the interesting. The that the people they're going to want are going to be Ball Ball and Michael Porter Jr., and those right. are two guys the Nuggets don't want to give up. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into, we're going to talk a little about this great greatest nuggets tourney that we've been doing on denverstiffs.com. We'll be right back. Denver Stiff Show. I am Ryan Blackburn, your host, joined today by Zach Mikosh and Gordon Gross. 
Uh, we've been doing this Greatest Nuggets tourney on Denver Stiffs, posting every single day of the week. Uh, we came up with a list of 32 players at the beginning of last week and have since whittled it down to, I think, six players right now. We'll whittle it down to four players uh, after Friday's uh, events, and we'll get into the the top four players, or maybe not necessarily top four, but like the four highest voted players in their respective brackets. Uh, a final four, if a you will. A final four, <laughs> trying to replace the March Madness bracket that we have been so desperately missing as a society. So... It was an interesting idea, and I, I I quite liked it. It wasn't my idea. I have to give the credit to Brandon Ewing. He was instrumental in coming up with this, and he has a lot of great ideas, so shout out to Skip. Uh, but through two rounds, we have Nikola Jokic and Alex English. They are going to advance to the Final Four. Uh, we are waiting on the results of between Carmelo Anthony and... Uh, uh, who's he playing? Dan Issel, I'm pretty sure. And oh no, actually that's a that's a a different category. Whoever else is playing, I know Carmelo Anthony and Dan Issel and Chauncey Billups and uh, Dikembe Mutombo are the other candidates to advance to the Final Four. But we got into a a very heated discussion today in our Slack chat, uh, cap or headlined by Zach and Gordon on debating between Nikola Jokic and David Thompson. Nikola Jokic. Uh, he ousted David Thompson pretty easily, but Zach, I'm going to let you take the floor and talk about David Thompson for a little bit. Yeah. So this is, um, <laughs> this whole thing has been, it's, it's, uh, it's been a, a, a enlightening moment on, um, the demographics and different social media platforms. And, and what we found is that the young people are over on Instagram. Uh, the more middle-aged people are, are voting on Twitter and then, uh, the old guys are over the on our site. The old are on Facebook, yeah. Well, they're obviously they're on our site <laughs> voting there. And we love you guys. Please come and keep, keep coming to the site. And we love you all equally. Plea, we promise. Marga we are, Bell. Yeah. Come, keep coming sure. to Denver Stiffs and voting. That's That's been great. Got to throw, throw one out for uh, – uh, throw, throw it down Big Man as well, another one of our great users who um, is one of our older guys who's been around in – forever um but Titty. anyways shout out to so, Titty. yeah that's right i wasn't gonna say that because i was like well, people are gonna they're gonna be like what is this guy talking about <laughs> but um anyways so so <laughs> the recency bias is real and it's, it's real across all three platforms in some case i was looking at it right now i think um i'm pretty sure yoke is probably still crushed thompson even on the site he did uh almost doubled him up so my issue here is specifically, and this has happened with a lot of a lot of different mashups, but this one I th- feel is is one of the more, or at least one of the more debatable ones, um, because we all look at Jokic, and it's easy to look at Jokic as one of the greats because he's the greatest Nugget right now, and he's already, in my opinion, he's a top five. I would actually have him fifth, depending on how he did uh, this season. He would leapfrog. Carmelo Anthony, uh, if he, you know, basically got out of the first round was kind of where I was putting it, um, and would move into fourth all time. But David Thompson is, is for me, I'm not there yet. And I, I, I can't be there yet today. I am not saying that Jokic will not be better than David Thompson, or we won't look back when it's all said and done as Jokic is the better nugget than David Thompson. In fact, we probably will, because we know what happens in David Thompson's career shortly after his, uh, his immediate success with the team is, is, you know, he obviously went through some, um, some issues with substance abuse and, and that kind of derailed his entire career. So I, I think when it's done, Jokic is is going to be looked at as the better overall nugget. But right now, today, if coronavirus ended the NBA today, I cannot in any way ever consider Nikola Jokic to have been a better nugget than David Thompson. And it comes down to a couple things. One, the best Nuggets team ever is the last year in the NBA, which I believe was or the ABA, sorry, which I think it was 77. Um, which is also David Thompson's rookie year. He led the team in scoring. He was an all-star. He was clearly the best player on that team. And as, as I'm sure Gordon's going to point out, that team had three other Hall of Famers on it. Yes, uh, it did. But he was and still better than all of them. And he took them to the finals only to lose to Ju- Julius Irving. And the Nuggets have never got back. And he did that his 
first year in the league, and he made the playoffs his first, I think it was four or five years in the league. He was uh, all-star five straight years. He was the leading scorer, not only in Denver, but I mean, one of the best scorers ever in the history of the NBA. And his body of work, just right now as it is, I, sorry, Gordon, I mean, it, it, Jokic hasn't accomplished as much. He just hasn't. I hear you. How many teams were in the ABA? I don't know. Eight. (laughs) I'm just saying, you're like, you're like, but this dude made it to the finals. And I'm like, yes, exactly. Not, not exactly 30 teams deep, but that's fine. Um, David Thompson was an outstanding player. I mean, no one's saying he wasn't. There's a reason he was what the number two seed in the, in the thing. Debatably should have been number one. Yeah. Could have been the number one seed. Jokic could have dethroned him. Uh, the thing about David Thompson is, we, like you said, we know how long his career was. He had the four all-star years in Denver um, and then crashed and burned. Like, that that was the pressure, the contract. He had the biggest contract in sports. Like, David Thompson was a superstar. Um, and he had the money and he had the drugs and he had the uh, fear. And uh, all of that came back to bite him. And it sucks, but David Thompson had an amazing start to his career um, and then didn't go any further. So when you're looking at Jokic, if we're saying, you know, what Jokic has done in a Denver uniform is not up to par with what, you know, David Thompson did with three other Hall of Famers and a Hall of Fame coach on his team, then I, I get that. He hasn't. He's only gotten to the second round. Um, I haven't noticed any other future Hall of Famers on his team necessarily. But if you're asking me who you want to start a franchise with, it's not going to be David Thompson. Right, but we're not asking you who who you're starting a franchise with. We're asking you who's the greatest nugget. The greatest nugget. And so the question is, who is the greatest nugget? It, It doesn't say yet. It doesn't say as a nugget even. I mean, Allen Iverson was in there. He that was an interesting Another recency one. bias nonsense. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, we, you know, when when the question's defined, this is like defining most valuable player. Jokic just played yeah. nearly five seasons in the Nuggets uniform. Thompson played about seven seasons. Yes. They're both the only players in Nuggets franchise history to finish as a first-team All-NBA selection, so that's pretty Correct. good. Uh I would expect that Jokic, and Jokic would get another. probably going to have another All NBA selection shortly. That's that's crazy. That's a crazy stat. I did not realize that Alex English was never first team All NBA. That's yeah. nuts. Yeah, it's and it's Alex only, is it's amazing. Again, it's, we're not talking about guys who are getting jobs. This is not like you know, is Andre Miller better than David Thompson? Yeah, yeah I mean, I agree. We're we're in the top five, like I said at this point. I mean, there's nobody left in this bracket in my eyes who is not a a top five. Well, no, Chauncey's still in there, so and Deke's still in there, so never mind. I take it back. You don't think the Kembe's a top five nugget? No, not at all. Definitely not. Who are you wow. putting him over? You and I are gonna have who another you, argument. Who are, you in a him over? are you putting him over Issel? Are you putting him over English? Are you putting him over Thompson? Are you putting him over Jokic? Or are you putting him over Melo? Which one of those five are you putting him over? Probably Melo. Oh, come on! <laughs> <laughs> Wilson Chandler's going to hear this and yell at me again. It's true. It's true. Uh, so, but yeah, like, wise... I, I mean, again, I love, I love David Thompson. I do. Yeah. Uh, I didn't watch him play. I'm too young. Uh, and I'm the oldest member of the Denver Stiff staff. Talent-wise, I would expect it's, it's pretty even slightly leaning towards David Thompson just because, I mean, it's hard to teach a 50-inch vertical, and that's what everybody says he had, and you've, we've got the video to prove that he can touch the top of the backboard at 6'4". So, right. very impressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was... the, the man could jump out of the gym. He was the most athletic guy in the arena. Um, he was the precursor to Michael Jordan. The inspiration. Like, him, him, and, him and Dr. J were it in, in the, the late 70s. Like, that was in the, the ABA, thing right? to That's watch. how it ended. That the ABA ended with Thompson versus Irving in the finals. Yes. Yeah. And worthy. It was. It was. This is ABA basketball. Right. Um, Longevity wise, yeah. I'm. I'm. It's pretty even right now. I would say, uh, just because Thompson's career was cut short, but I would say Jokic is probably going to surpass him soon in the longevity category. Uh, Success wise, you got to lean David Thompson, of course. 
uh, because he does have that finals appearance. But we don't know what Jokic would have done this season. I think this this kind of has to have an asterisk if, if there ever was one for this year. Like, I think we can expect, like, another second-round exit. And that means that Jokic is – he would never have lost in the first round in his, in his time. And that's, I think, pretty important and at least puts him over Melo for sure. Well, and then, again, you start talking about, you know, Jokic is not 10 years into his career. You know, Jokic has been here. He's been he's he's had his five years. Um, he was on the bench for the first one of them. Yeah, it's it's one of these things where you're you're debating a guy who was the greatest and came in knowing that he was going to be the greatest and lived up to the hype and was the all star and had all the accolades against the guy who was drafted in the second round and looked at as maybe a possible bench you know scorer in fifteen minutes a game. And somehow it turns out to be one of the top eight players in the NBA. Right. Like, it, their paths are different so far. But the talent is basically the same. So... And I think maybe that's, I mean, that's kind of where I where I somewhat lose uh, on Jokic. And it's not anything against his fault. But it is just the situation, right? Because he had to work his way up to it. Whereas a guy like David Thompson, a guy like Carmelo Anthony, like, they made the playoffs year one, and they made the playoffs repeatedly year after year. It took Jokic all the way up until this past season to finally get there. And now, it's hard to say, well, did he have not as good of a team around him? My my tendency to say yes, because they – I've watched this team play these past the past few years. I lived through the beginning of the Jokic era, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't great. So you know, a lot of a lot of Jameer Nelson point guard games. But um, <laughs> yeah. I also think of I also think of two thousand three. Emmanuel Moutier was not exactly the greatest right. point guard in the world. Right. But I also think of two thousand three when we're running out like John Barry and Vashawn Leonard, you know, and like the uh, the guys that Melo had around him that season, and Nikola Skidishvili, and like. Yeah, it wasn't a great team either, but Melo got him in as an eight seed, and you know, like they they did it, and so I don't know. He I had, guess that's where he I had struggled. Andre Miller and Nene, and there were some other decent NBA players on that team, right? But I mean, so did I mean even when Jokic, I mean, he had Gallo, right? He had Fareed, like he there were some. Uh, he had Wilson Chandler. There were good players on his team as well. Kind of guys, I would say the same. Nobody, nobody, you would say, well, that guy's like a you know potential star player. Nobody like that. But that's this, kind of the same way I think with with Melo. It wasn't until the second year when you started adding guys like Kenya Martin um, that you started being like, okay, now they're they're starting to build something with quality talent around this guy. And they've done the same thing with Jokic, different ways. That team, uh, the Melo team, did it through free agency, and and this team has done it through the draft. Um, but I feel like, you know, now, I, and I guess this is my point, is moving forward, you know, Jokic is, is certainly on pace um, to pass. The only one I would even say right now I would hedge my bet against is, is he going to pass, well, Alex English and Dan Issel, because those are my, my top two. Th- those guys, I mean, Dan Issel is, the body of work is just so Dan long. Dan Issel is, is an inner circle Hall of Famer. Right. Yeah. And he I mean, doesn't get the respect as an inner circle Hall of Famer, but if you look at well, what he did... He's an inner circle Hall of Famer. Like that guy is is incredible. He's one of the greatest centers of all time, and and people don't uh, people don't ever really think of him about that way because he played you know for the Kentucky Colonels uh, for a long portion of his career, and then the Denver <laughs> well, Nuggets. Well, Kentucky Colonels so. and the Denver Nuggets, yeah, right. Yeah, but, I was I was just gonna ask you guys: Do you have a an underrated or overrated Nugget on this bracket? I think it sounds like Dan Issel would would probably lead in that category. Hot Dan, take: Dan, Dan Issel should win this thing. Yeah, hey, I mean, I I don't necessarily disagree with it. I I don't necessarily agree with it. I think he was probably the the complimentary star to different guys as opposed to the uh, as opposed to the main attraction. Uh, well, I mean, so he was. I mean, Danisol was was big, kind of in in the earlier, uh, you know, pre David Thompson, right? It was it was kind of Danisol, but again, he was his his prime was more with the Colonels necessarily than it was with. Um, the Nuggets, and then yes, he he was kind of the second guy to Thompson. Then as he got older, was sort of the second guy to English. Right. Uh, as the, well. the problem but that he if, runs if, into is that he doesn't make the NBA top list because most of his career was in the right. ABA. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's and, and people tend to forget about that generation. But I guess throw this out there: if we're talking greatest Nuggets, do we give Issel a little extra credit for being the coach also that coach. pulled off the upset in '94? Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's. Uh, that should be part of the calculus, and maybe that's something that we should have written about, and that's that's probably on me more than anything. But 
uh, yeah, hey, he deserves it. He certainly deserves having gotten this far. I'm curious to see how he does against, I think he's against uh, uh, Dikem. I think or, he's against Mello. Oh, he's against Mello? I thought, I, yeah. yeah, I thought it was Issel Mello. Yeah, I mean, Mello's going to win. Issel Mello, Chauncey Deke. Yeah, yeah, so Mello's going to win because, again, recency buys. Um, but, I mean, I, I would vote for Issel in that. I will vote for Issel right. in that one. Uh, right. So Isol is definitely a better nugget than Carmelo Anthony. Like that's not even debatable. Yeah. Isol Isol is yeah. Again, and that's if Jokic has a good enough career to surpass Isol, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, I think maybe he's not, on maybe that track not first right now. ballot, but uh, oh, I think I think he will be eventually. Like, I mean, if you think about the rest of his contract. Uh, Jokic specifically like he has another three years he's going to get first team all NBA this season let's say he gets another all NBA selection in all three of those years it doesn't necessarily have to be first team but I don't see any other centers coming in to to take his job to take his spot on the all NBA ballots Uh, he would be a five-time all and all NBA guy and those guys just get into the hall of fame almost he he would be a five-time all NBA guy before 30 right which is insane. No, I'm with you. Bonkers. I just we just we just saw Chris Bosch did not get as a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I certainly thought Chris Bosch not being it, in so. the Hall of Fame is a joke. Like I, I know that he just got that first ballot. I'm just saying, Chris Bosch should have cakewalked in. Right. Yeah, there was a lot of hey, we only need these three guys. Right. And Kobe Duncan along and with Kevin Kobe, Cajun. and that's that's right. too bad. But um, that was the politics of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Right. Are there any other underrated players on this bracket that may have already lost or or that, that you would take exception to? Or are there overrated guys that you would take exception to? I'm trying to look through back now kind of thing. So, I mean, I, I always will say that uh, Lafonso Ellis is underrated because... You love uh, Lafonso Ellis. Right, because because I when I was a little kid, I sat on Lafonso Ellis's knee and he talked to me <laughs> and it was... You know, that was a moment. So, um, it, 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 yeah, he's like a moment. Santa Claus, man. I get it. Exactly. No, dude, he was, he was, he was, I mean, and it really was. It, it was, it was an awesome moment to see. I'll tell you the, the training camp, the Nuggets used to do training camp at the Air Force Academy. Um, and it was open. Like every, every single practice was open to the public. It was, it's crazy. You know, it shows you how much things have changed, um, since the, yeah. the early 90s. No but, shit. um, that, that training camp that I went to as a kid, that was, that was right after, uh, Lufonzo had just hurt his knee, like just hurt his knee a few weeks before. Um, and that guy, I mean, took the time for everyone. There was, a, there was a, a moment where he was leaving the, the arena and, and the fans had figured out kind of like where, where the players left the arena at. And, and, and so he's walking, you can see him coming through the glass vestibule. And I mean, there is 200 people around this entrance and, and you can see who he's walking with, you know, one of the, the assistant coaches or trainers, whoever it was. And you can see that guy kind of look to him and say, do you want to go around? And you can see Lafonso say, no, I've got to do this. And that guy walked out that door and sat there and signed autographs for two hours after he basically had just suffered a career ending uh, yeah. knee injury. Like that, that moment sticks out in my head so much as this is one of not only uh, not only was he an incredible basketball player in in those couple of years he got before he was injured, um, but just an incredible person as well, and 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 an example of what everything of what a professional athlete should be. So Absolutely. he will always be underrated for me. No, for for me, uh, Bobby Jones. Um, yeah, another great one. We had we had Bobby Jones at eight, um, as an as an eight seed. Um, not Which it's eight. important not to point fault. out that the, the the seeds were yeah seeds were all voted on by the fans. So yeah yeah we didn't seed this. In case anybody's mad at us about seeding, we didn't seed it. We just put the names up, and then everybody who got a vote got seeded by the amount of votes they got. Um, but Bobby Jones in the Hall of Fame. There's a lot of Bobby other Jones people. Might be the best defender in Nuggets history. Yeah yeah. Well, there and again, a lot of a guy Deke. You know, the second half of his career didn't match the first half of his career because he got injured and you know stopped being able to do everything he could do. But right. that guy was an unholy terror for like you know the first six seven years of his career. Yeah, I'm I'm um, fully there with you. He he absolutely deserves it. He was one of those guys that you always look to when when you're trying to look at Nuggets history. Look at look at it through a lens of who would Jeff Morton try to teach me yeah. about? <laughs> what what was, was the king of Thornfield? Exactly. Yeah. And he like Bobby Jones would be the guy that he'd be like okay. You had to know about this player. And it's true. Like, defensive player of the year caliber. 
Right. No, he's just, just an unbelievable player. So, like, I, I mean, I, I love the fact that we let the fans seat it. There are some guys that I think uh, got overseated or underseated, but for the most part, it's played out about as I would have expected it to, based on the way the seating is. I don't think there's been any outrageous twist of fate, you know, um, to get to this point. Can I rant to you guys for a little bit on an overrated one? Yeah, hit me. For sure. Chauncey Billups should not be a two seed. Oh, I so agree. I so agree with you on that. There no are argument, a lot but he's of a hometown players. kid, man. There are a lot of players in Nuggets history who have contributed more than Chauncey Billups in his two and a half seasons. It's a, it's a lot like Allen Iverson, who was here for one and a half seasons and was a four seed. Chauncey Billups, he was able to get them to the Western Conference Finals. They couldn't get out of the first round the next year. Part of that was because George Carroll got cancer, but yeah. I mean... It was the Utah Jazz. You should have been able to beat them. You were the first seed before George Kyle got cancer. Like this, this should not have been that disastrous, in my opinion. Uh, when you have a guy like Chauncey Billups who can captain a team, so I'm a, I I think what he has done has become a little bit overstated, and people call him a Colorado sports legend, and I think that's partially true. I mean, he was able to get them to the Western Conference Finals, and it really was his team as opposed to Melo's team that year, for sure. But it was one season. Like, we can't – we we right. shouldn't lionize what he did like, like he was here for five, ten years. For the record, it is three and a half seasons. Don't forget the uh, – the, what was it, 98-99 season oh, when he was in Denver. Yeah, my, my mistake. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, he's a Colorado sports legend. Absolutely. But a lot of that is because he's one of, I don't, I don't know enough about CU basketball. I'm going to piss somebody off, but in my, I, for, for my money, the best CU basketball player I've ever known. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and I mean, you know, it also Denver city, like it was also Park Hill. It's also, right, yeah, yeah. Thomas. Schiff's it's all of that. Like, it's, like, it's hometown boy, home, hometown, like not just went to college here, but you know, from here, went to college here, went to the NBA, won a title in the NBA, like everything you would need to do to be the hometown champion other than bring a title to your hometown, which he came close to doing. If they could throw an inbounds pass, like I don't know that they wouldn't have won the title that year. I went to the same K through eight school as his kids. Nice. That was a a little tidbit that didn't really need to be said, but so what's your excuse? uh, Yeah, exactly. Like should have, should have been a basketball legend. What the, what the hell? Uh, Do you guys have a favorite player on this list? Uh, Well, so I mean, my favorite was LaFonso, but if I wanted to, um, if I could also, I, I, another, some people that I thought on this list were overrated. um, And I'll give you another underrated one. So uh, one overrated Allen Iverson, uh, Allen Iverson, Allen Iverson doesn't even belong in this, uh, in this tournament, let's be. I honest. mean, J.R. Smith is on the list, so yeah, that's true. Hey, Jr. spent <laughs> but, like multiple years here. Like it wasn't right. like it wasn't like he was a season like, and a half. Yeah, that's I mean, true. Yeah. Earl Boykins is on this list. I mean, <laughs> a season and a half and a grand total of one. Count them one playoff win, not one playoff series win. No, one game in the playoffs, one with Allen Iverson on the team. Right. Yeah, that was no, very I much like, a... Alan, like I said, Allen Iverson is, is for my money, was overrated on, on the list. But I get why he's there. He's the name. I understand. You know, right, you he's all famous. Yeah. Definitely know, a lot sense. of name value there for sure. Uh, my favorite player on this list was probably Ty Lawson. And I know that it's, it's really tough that... It, it was really tough, especially for me, when he went through the troubles that he did because he was the guy that really got me into basketball in the first place. Like the right. way that he zipped around the court, he he had a, a lot of skills. And for somebody who was 5'10", 5'11", he was, I, I feel like he never really unlocked his true potential that, that everybody seemed to think that he had. Like he was supposed to be Isaiah Thomas. He was supposed to be, or at least Boston Celtics Isaiah Thomas for sure. Um Never really. Yeah, got that into makes that more mentality. sense. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, I was like, Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. yeah, Boston Celtics Isaiah problem, Thomas. But, let's let's right. be yeah, let's sense. be honest. Uh, but no, I mean, he was he was the guy who got me into basketball and loving basketball. It was it was at the the tail end of the '09 series was when I really started following things, and after that, he was drafted in the '09 draft and thought he was a steal. And he he's played he played great for a long time, and then really fell out of it. Do you guys have a, a favorite outside of Lafonso? 
I mean, I have I I I love Gallo. I was a I was a huge Gallo right. fan. Yeah, yeah same. Um, I love Ty Lawson. Like I I really enjoyed watching him play. I didn't watch enough of the Nuggets in the '80s, honestly. Like I watched Alex English play. I loved watching him play, but I didn't watch you know 300 games of Alex English. Sure. Like I did of Ty Lawson. You know what I mean? Yeah, my my mentality, especially with basketball right now, when I go back and watch Alex English highlights, it's all mid-range jumpers. It's all leaning floaters. Like he had the great touch and mid-range assassin, don't get me wrong, but I almost hate watching his game just because I've, I feel like as a new fan, as a young person, I've been so conditioned to three threes or layups. Yeah, but when you watch him against who he played, it was beauty. Like yeah. that's that's really the thing. That's why you really have to watch like – you go watch old games. I just wish that they they had them restored, so you're not trying to watch like crappy VHS tapes made into MPEGs. Like, yeah. you know, I, there was just some fun basketball played in the '80s. Um, all those Lakers Showtime teams, um, Lakers versus the Nuggets back then was a good time. Right. Uh yeah. Okay. But yeah, my I mean my favorite player on the list is Nikola Jokic. Like, I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, Actually, that's probably mine. Um, I I, I like, kind no, of excluded like he, I kind of guy. excluded He's... him from the from my choices just because I mean he is my favorite player. He will yeah. be my favorite player of all time. Probably is right now, honestly. But uh, go ahead. I was no, say like, I, um, yeah. I was just gonna tell you guys real quick. I uh, I voted Fonz over Jokic. Of course okay. you did. I mean, I get it. Your vote <laughs> it will was a count. Total with, homer pick. Yeah, your vote will count with the other six people that also voted for Fonz. <laughs> That's right. The other, the other it's, it's one of those times like when you look at like the All Star voting, you know, when you're like, who voted for that guy? And it's just he's like, well, that was my favorite player, so I voted yeah. for that guy. Fair enough. Yeah. One um, more favorite I would bring up on this list for me was also Mahmoud. Um, I did guy enjoy kind of, watching him play. Yeah, I mean, another guy who his his career in Denver ended in a way that you you didn't really uh, his you know, career was in general. Yeah, his career in general, right? He, he guy essentially got blackballed from the league, but yeah, he got jobbed. Um, he got he got thrown out the league. It was really pitiful. It was. Yeah, pitiful. I mean, it's it's exactly what's happened to or to Colin Kaepernick. I don't want to get off into a different um <laughs> into a different kind of tangent here. That's not basketball, really. But um, I mean, he's he he really is. You know, Phil Jackson mentioned this once. Um, he kind of really is Steph Curry before Steph Curry, right? Like he was yeah. not as prolific as Steph, but also didn't didn't play in an era that was like let's he wasn't totally allowed maximize to, yeah. your three point shooting, right? But I mean that that is what when I watched started watching Steph Curry play, the very first thing it reminded me of was Mahmoud, and so yep. he was another guy who was uh you know as as a as a nineties kid was a uh, I mean was a huge huge reason like a lot of the reason like you know. You talk about Ryan about how Ty Lawson got you into basketball. Well, for me, that's that's Lafonso Ellis and Mahmoud Abdul. Yeah, hey, I, I see. I got totally into basketball for Jordan, so I don't know. Well, Michael Jordan. <laughs> he's he's okay. I've heard of him. Uh, who, who do you uh, guys just so think you know, is... Ryan? Uh, I'm older than Chauncey Billups, so hmm. okay. You so what's your in, excuse? You beat in school with your kids with his kids, <laughs> yeah. Hey, his kids were like, like they were like pre-K, and I was like seventh, eighth grade. So it sure, wasn't like a, they were. No, honest, I'm I'm dead serious, <laughs> dead serious. Uh, who do you think? Uh, who do you guys think will win this thing? Jokic. Jokic. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think that, that's all recency. I I agree with, I I agree with uh, Zach on that. I expect Jokic to run away with it because he is by far the best player on the team at the moment who is also an all-NBA star. It's not like he's sort of good, um, and there are no bad memories associated with him. It's not like Melo, who left. It's not right. like, you know, Skywalker, who uh, never lived up to his potential. You don't have right. any of this stuff with Jokic. So far, he's done literally everything that they have asked of him to the best level that could be done. So, Yeah, I mean, he may and be he, the most the talented player. He's the one who still lead his team to the championship. Yeah. He may be the most talented player in franchise history. I I don't think that's a I don't think that's an outlandish thing to say at this point. Um, no, but he's I mean he's he's great. We're glad to have him. I just don't think he has the longevity that or longevity. That's a thing that should uh that should put him over some of these guys like like Dan Issel, like even Bobby Jones. Like he was he was really good and got pegged into that eight seed for some reason, and that was that was too bad, but. So we all think Jokic, uh, 
do we know who will face him on the other side of the bracket? I think it's it's probably going to be Mello, is my guess. That's what I would assume. Uh, so who's Mello going against? Battling 15s. Uh, uh, tomorrow he's going to go against uh, the two seed from that. Or actually, no, he's going against Issel, and Dikembe is going against Chauncey. So I would imagine. Well, I imagine Chauncey actually beats D. Uh, and then... That'll be interesting. Yeah, yep, yeah, so I'm with you. I, well, that would be very interesting to have, yeah, Mello versus Chauncey and then see see where the fans fall on that one. Actually, I'm going to tell you, I think it's going to be Chauncey, and I, I think it's going to be Chauncey. You think Chauncey takes the whole thing? Yeah, because I think Chauncey's going to... No, I don't think he takes the whole thing. I think, well, I think Jokic beats Chauncey in the finals, Um, but I think Chauncey's going to beat Deke, and then you're going to have Mello versus Chauncey in that other semifinal matchup, and you're going to get the protest vote, and everybody's going to vote for Chauncey instead. That's entirely possible. I mean, it, it could happen. The Nuggets still are going to have this weird situation with Melo soon enough where, you know, you've got a guy wearing 15, you've got Melo in 15. You know, you're going to retire Jokic's number at the time he's done with on the court if this keeps up. Like, if he doesn't somehow, you know, fall off in, in the way that some of these other guys have. If he has a 12, 15 year career like he's had his first five, you're, you're putting that guy's number in the rafters. Right. So, yeah. are you hanging it without Mello? Are you not putting the other fifteen in the rafters? You put them both in the rafters. I think you put them both in the rafters. Right. But I don't know if you can put Mello in the rafters before you put Jokic in the rafters, and that's going to be funny. That's going to be a they very did weird in, thing. Uh, they did in my NBA 2K franchise, so I assume that is. There the you go. go. I mean, it's not that you can't do it. I'm just saying, I don't know when those wounds from Mello heal. It's gonna take. Yeah, a little there's bit. still time. It's still there, time. You don't. You don't want. Sure. You don't want to be booing the guy who's getting his number put up in the rafters, man. Yeah, it's, and, it's, well, and Melo absolutely deserves it. Melo deserves to be in the rafters. He's a and he's gonna be in the Hall of Fame. Right. I, I would say the thing that the Nuggets have working on their side is they took a long time with a lot of these guys, right? Like they took a long time <laughs> to retire. <laughs> That's true. Fat They've been crappy so. about everybody. They give Fat right. Lever a painting. So right. They, Oh, they got plenty man. of time to like be jerks about this. So they could wait, you know, I, I, to me and what I think they probably do, they'll probably wait till Jokic's career is done, and then maybe they might retire like both guys in a, you know, they're not going to know. Melo's not going to come back for a, for a dual retirement. Yeah, no, I'm not saying they would do them together, but in quick su- succession, right? right. They might, Jokic might retire. They might retire Melo's number the next year and then the following I th- year. I think they, I think they get away too. with it if if Melo because they're going to do it after Melo gets in the Hall of Fame. When he goes right. in the Hall of Fame, they'll retire his number. Right. Man, and that's then, a, it's a wild situation, honestly. It's just funny. Like, it, Melo would have been loved forever if he had stayed. And he might have won that ship if, with Billups, him and Billups still here. And Masai building it, yep. Even if he had just signed his next contract. Like, he, he didn't yeah. have to stay his entire career. Like, right. that, was, that was the time where the Nuggets were clearly in the prime. And they were probably in their next cycle of their prime, like, Chauncey probably had one more good year at that point, but still, the they could have uh, built From what a, we've heard about George Carl, I'm not sure that Melo could have lasted another contract. Yeah, that was the thing. Is I think there was there was you kind of reached an impasse with with Carl. Sometimes um, you're just done, man. It was seven right. years with George Carl, and and at some point you're and like, they didn't I like each other. Let's just be yeah, <laughs> they did not. Um, yeah. The thing about though, the thing that always irks me about Melo leaving right then is like, man, Kenyon Martin's contract was finally just about to come I off know. the books. Nene was just coming off the books. Like, they were actually going to have some cap space to do some things. Yep. And then he just kind of forced their hand, and it was uh, it was all over. Yep. Uh, well, can't win them all. Uh, guys, I did have something else planned, but but we talked for a significant period of time, and I'm going to table you it for next week. You got both of us on. It's your fault. Hey, I yeah. and I'm, I'm enjoying it. We had a great conversation, and I am very thankful for it. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we will do the next thing next week. I, I won't spoil what that is because I think it's going to be really fun. Uh, Zach, it's been an honor. Uh, Gordon, thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, and you guys have any parting thoughts before we go? Vote Issel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Vote for Dan Issel, the greatest nugget. Oh, man, that would be funny. Though I got to say, uh, it's, it's, it's a good bracket. Like with him and Alex English, like, you know, still kicking. It's, it's, it's a good deal. I'm happy with it. I think it came out really well, um, yep. or at least as, as as well as it possibly could go. Um, For being spontaneously done, we've done better than people who plan their stuff. So, yeah, we're good. True. Uh, Zach, any parting thoughts? Again, 
vote Issel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you were the guy who said vote Issel. Gordon? Uh, I agree with Zach. It's fine. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it here. We will see you guys next week. Bye.